like, hey, we don't have the rights to use this. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Spare a Bit of Parchment. My name is Paul. And I'm Carrie. And today we're going to talk about the dark arts. Dun, scary, dun, dun. scary stuff there. Um, and I think the best way to talk about it is starting to ask, what are the dark arts? Um, because in a lot of ways, JK doesn't go into depth on what constitutes the dark arts. Yeah. She will talk about, you know, like, that's dark magic and, uh, you know, defense against the dark arts. But largely speaking, defense against the dark arts doesn't cover much except for, like, beasts and that sort of thing. Yeah, it is largely creatures versus Or, like, defending hexes and stuff like that, so... Um, so we're going to kind of go into depth and actually n- know what we're talking about for once. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, what constitutes dark magic? So obviously there are some major examples. Horcruxes. That's a big one because, uh, you know, it involves murdering people. I do have a question, though. Sure. With horcruxes. If you murder but don't make a horcrux with that tear is your heart still in or your soul in those two separate things or do they kind of like mend back together like a stitch maybe they mend back together and don't do it very well yeah and you're like like it's a frankenstein put together because i even in the muggle world like if you commit manslaughter not murder Mm-hmm. You end up being like really psychologically messed up after a while, right? You know, so I could definitely see that being the case. But I mean, Voldemort killed a lot of people. He killed way more than seven people. That's true. So, so maybe his soul is really fragmented. Yeah. So well, what happened to those other pieces? Are they still part of the larger piece, or? Welcome to another episode <laughs> of More Questions Than Answers. It never ends. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. That's a that's a <clears throat> interesting thought. Maybe it like maybe it just tarnishes the soul. Okay. Like it doesn't rip it apart, but maybe it like puts a dark mark on it. Maybe. I don't know. That's a thought anyway. But uh it works. along with horcruxes, uh basically a lot of a lot of what dark magic is is related to Voldemort um or related to Teachers saying, I don't want you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, another aspect was uh, Nagini inhabiting uh, Matilda Bagshot um, in the final book. How did she get in the body? I assumed that it was much like a um, like a snake skin, you know. That's but... kinky. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit weird, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions that go on with that. Um, you know, uh, how how does it maintain form? You know, well, and how can she control? Even though it's poorly, how can Nikki control the limbs? Yeah, of that sort of thing. Backshot. Yeah, I would imagine there's some like serious charms going on from. But can you imagine how awesome Nagini felt? I'm almost human. Yeah, like I'm a person. I'm a real person. Pay attention to me. Yeah. Uh, Another thing um, that I really wanted to bring up, which I think is almost the basis for this episode, was Sirius breaking out of Azkaban. Yeah. They heavily imply that he used dark magic to get out. 
but they don't imply or they don't go into what that means. Right. And the place is surrounded by Dementors and like a big ocean and well, bars and stuff like that. And they couldn't prove that it was dark magic right. that got him out. Yeah. Because nobody knew how he did it. Well, I mean, the only spell that fights Dementors, as far as I know, for the most part, is Expecto Patronum, uh-huh. which I would not call dark magic. No. I mean, if he set them on fire or something, even that I wouldn't call dark magic. He no. was using it for being, aggressive means. He's just but, being harmful. Right. But that's not inherently dark magic. No. So what were they trying to imply? So this is like my, my big, deep, gnawing question for this episode is what dark magic were they envisioning when they were saying that? So... And then Carrie has Bogarts written down, and I want to know why you think they're dark magic. I didn't actually bring... You, you didn't write You brought that it down? up in a text. I brought it up? Yeah. Oh. And I just added it to our little notes. <laughs> so Paul brought up... No. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. Hmm. I have no idea why I would have talked about that. Maybe just because it's a magical creature that was in Well, and they were... Her. Yeah, they were in the class, and I don't know if you really want to mess with somebody you would bring a bogart in yeah but you're not doing the dark magic act yourself you're making the bogart do it yeah exactly so um so to kind of expand on this topic um i copied out every example of the use of dark magic in the books as it's directly called dark magic i'm not going to read every single one of them i was gonna say are we going to no do you want to um that would take a while it would take a while but um maybe we can just allude to them and i do want to read this one uh by luna uh i think we all have a soft spot for luna she's our favorite ravenclaw she says i don't think you should be an aura harry said luna unexpectedly everybody looked at her the Aurors are part of the Rotfang conspiracy. I thought everyone knew that. They're planning to bring down the Ministry of Magic from within using a combination of dark magic and gum disease. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just so adorable, you know, where it's like, oh, gum, gum disease. Okay, I get you. Dark magic and gum disease. Yeah, can, Rotfang. Okay. I can get behind that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, oh, if you have gum disease... You'll be in pain. Um, you can't you could, eat. Right. It's a problem. So you wouldn't go to work. Yeah. Um, yeah, Luna, I think you're on to something. You lose your teeth. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, you can get, like, heart attacks and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, boom. She knows what she's talking about. Take care of your mouth. <laughs> Floss, kids. This has been an advertisement by the Dental Association. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just bringing up some of the examples... Um, being a parcel tongue is considered parcel mouth. Parcel mouth. Speaking parcel tongue. Yeah. Being a parcel mouth um, is often considered to be evil or associated with evil. Because the two most evil wizards had that, had that capability. Exactly. So um, that's something that's mentioned early on. And then um, the inhabiting of Quirrell's body. I think, would be probably dark magic. That's pretty twisted. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, you know, in book two, uh, dark magic really takes off. Mm -hmm. Where they talk about, you know, the the Chamber of Secrets and killing muggles and killing uh, non-pureblood people, um, that sort of thing, and how to get there. Um, 
But right away in book one, Hagrid uh, mentions dark magic. He's the first person to mention dark magic in, in the series um, straight away. And he, yeah, right? Go Hagrid. Um, He's laying it down. Uh, so Hagrid says that nothing can interfere with a broomstick except for dark magic. Um, after Harry's broom starts acting up at his second Quidditch game? I think so. It starts bucking him off. Yeah, so so what dark magic would be a thing that affects a broomstick? Well, know? the chanting whatever that oh, girl was doing, doing, the eye connection and, yeah. and mumbling. and Where he's uh, performing a, a, an enchantment. Yeah. Um, so my response to that, though, is that dark magic or is that charms because i think magic can be divided into a few different you know yeah things and so if that's just a charm that he's performing that has evil qualities to it is that really technically dark magic or is that a phrase that is blanket statement yeah made by wizards well and it's kind of like a hammer hammer normally you do household stuff and all that jazz but it could still be a weapon exactly uh and then they go on in book three to strip down harry's firebolt and they're like hey uh this could be cursed or something like that you know obviously broomsticks are governed by really powerful magic themselves which i think is really interesting and but could you also put charms to make your broomstick better? I think that's probably what those good broomsticks already are. Like, they're probably a more powerful wizard but charmed it or something why like that. not take a comic, what was it, like, 360 or whatever, 260 yeah. that was in the book, and, you know, Butterfly outstrips it. Right. Why not use those magic capabilities and enhance that one instead of buying a whole new expensive fireball? My my theory with that is is that a broomstick can only contain so much magic, Ooh. and so it's been given that level of magic by the crafter. But I also think that it probably wanes over time. Like it's not as powerful. Like because they talk about in book five, uh, the joke shop uh, stuff yeah. where there's like a hat. That removes your head, uh-huh. um, and but that'll wear off. Like well, that won't work forever. A lot of the invisibility cloaks over time they won't make you invisible, except the one true. The Deathly Hallow. Yeah. That's another thing is you hear about magic wearing off over time, and so I would imagine that those the Comet Two Sixty that the Weasleys had was just really old. They were the Firebolt of the time, but maybe not the Firebolt of the time. Maybe like just decent. Okay, well, whatever. Because they couldn't afford a firebolt. No. Maybe they had a really generous uncle or something. Blood traitors. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Maybe we should announce uh, again this episode, just in case this is the first episode that people listen to. We're both Slytherins. Yeah. Um, so we may have a completely biased <laughs> take on dark arts here. So bear that in mind as we, as we move forward. Another... Great example um, out of book two is uh, Dumbledore talking about dark magic, uh, indicating that no second year could have petrified Filch's cat, Mrs. Norris, because that would take dark magic. Yeah. But But, Stupefy would probably... But, you know, Dumbledore does do a lot of stuff in the book where he's like, 
putting his hands on things and like sensing stuff mm-hmm. and like feeling magic out. So he would probably be able to tell yeah, if but, she was stupefied. But um, with his saying, "Hey, second or second year students aren't capable of this." Wouldn't Tom Riddle? I mean, didn't he already show signs that he was capable of doing dark magic before he even entered? Yeah, definitely. Hogwarts. So by the definition, the loose definition of dark magic, yeah, I'd say for sure. So, so can you really put an age limit on it? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think evil's evil, um, which we will discuss later. Yeah, different, different, different podcasts. <laughs> yeah, one of a, a fun example Arthur Weasley says is. Uh, never trust anything that can think for itself if you can't see where it keeps its brain. I think that's funny. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, so he, he indicates that the diary is evil um, or dark magic, um, a suspicious, suspicious object. And he would know because he deals with a lot of muggle artifacts that mm-hmm. are enchanted and that sort of thing. And yep. I mean, it's just a basic diary. Um, and I think... It's even indicated that he bought it in London. Yeah, so like it was a, a muggle diary. So, um, so that's a, another aspect. But as we continue with this, like uh, these examples are all extremely vague. Mm-hmm. Like they don't ever it's, pinpoint. Yeah, it's a real blanket statement to, and and I almost think that J.K. does that on purpose to let you fill in the gaps a little bit. So and that, determine what. Where that line is that you cross mm-hmm. for it to be dark magic. Which uh, goes on to our next example where um, the in, in book two, uh, Professor Binns talks about uh, uh, not being able to find the Chamber of Secrets. And Pavardi Patil says you'd probably have to use dark magic to open it. Um, turns out you just need to be a parcel mouth. But... Uh, Professor Binns says very casually, just because a wizard doesn't use dark magic doesn't mean he can't. So one of the things we were talking about in our, you know, our note taking was, does that mean that dark magic is in everyone or has everyone has the ability to yeah. you know, be a and dark wizard? Or... Even if you don't specifically learn the skills of dark magic, does that still like come out of you like it's a natural it can right. be a natural aspect perfect example of that would be sectumsempra mm-hmm. when harry uses it he doesn't know what it does he just no. uses it and he's fighting malfoy and um so harry says i didn't mean it to happen i didn't know what that spell did and snape replies apparently i underestimated you potter he said quietly, who would have thought you knew such dark magic? Who taught you that spell? So, it was you, Snape. <laughs> it was you the whole time. <laughs> um, so that kind of goes along with the idea of, you know, are we all capable of using dark magic? And obviously the best three examples are the three unforgivable curses. Mm-hmm. And one of the aspects of that, Bellatrix says you have to mean them yeah you know and but then, harry didn't have to mean sectumsempra he kind of no. he meant it to be like i'm done with malfoy now i want yeah. him to get out of here you know yeah but even even though harry we always kind of view him as the pure hero but in the last book he does use the Crucio and he's like yeah. she was right you do have to mean it and right. he he did mean that 
pain to go on what was it ele- was it electo? electo yeah and and um just to refresh everybody's memory he does that because um no it's amicus yeah it's amicus uh amicus uh spat at mcgonagall yeah and then Harry's like, well, I'm a Gryffindor. And he takes yeah. off the invisibility <laughs> cloak and he, he uses the Cruciatus curse on him. And it's like... And McGonagall doesn't get after him for that. Yeah, She's no, like, at all. She's just like, well, how very noble of you, Potter. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute, what? Now it's noble. It's um, not... Which, to, to kind of go out of um, the wizarding world and bring up uh, uh, Tim Burton, which I don't know if you're cool with a lot of people don't like i i love tim Burton. okay so then you're gonna be good with this yeah um, i grew up with nightmare before christmas so it's, it's it's a good movie it is one of the things he talks about is how western art is or western literature if you will is very um hypocritical about what constitutes nobility mm-hmm. where most western stories have a good person and an evil person and then the good person eradicates the evil person yeah usually kills them or does great harm to them and he says how is that good Not evil. yeah you know um how if if evil done in the name of good is constituted as good then you know is it really good yeah yeah no there's a great song by sj tucker it's called Not the Villain, and it's based off of a book um, by Catherine Valenti. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I'll put a link in the podcast yeah, in yeah. The later. We'll provide that. Um, but it kind of goes off of that. It's the villain's point of view, and she's just saying, hey, we're you know telling our own story, and mm-hmm. from my perspective, <clears throat> this is good. Right. And what you're trying to do and infect on me is bad. Right. So, yeah, I totally understand that. So... I mean, that's one of those things where, you know, Harry isn't a perfect angel. No. You know, like he definitely, and he, he doesn't relish in using the curse necessarily. And he no. doesn't relish in using the imperious curse, but he still does them. Yeah. And it was for the greater good. Right. He couldn't have uh, destroyed Voldemort without, um, you know, using the imperious curse. There's no way he would have been able to get into Gringotts. Mm-mm. Um so it's like, do the ends justify the means? Which yeah. is a great philosophical question. Um, but to backtrack, to not get on too much of a tangent, <laughs> um, the three unforgivable curses um, are probably the, the best known examples of dark magic. And to kind of describe them at their base of why they're evil... Um, just to, to start with the imperious curse, uh, you're controlling someone. You're yeah, removing their, their freedom. Will. Yeah, they you're exactly you're bending their will to yours. You know, which is bad. You know, you don't want to do that. You don't want to control someone. Uh, well, you shouldn't want to. You shouldn't want to. <laughs> um, so that makes me think of an example of love potions yeah love potions aren't considered dark magic no and especially since as they described it's not technically love it's like a deep infatuation yeah but you're still manipulating yeah you're manipulating somebody into doing what you want they're they're not considered to be like a, a a substance that's controlled by the the ministry of magic like Mm -hmm. they talk about trafficking 
um, leaky cauldrons and yeah. uh, not Peruvian darkness powder, um, something else, doxy eggs and that yeah. sort of thing, and like them being illegal. But love potions aren't illegal. I think they feel it's just like an elementary girl type thing. Like you don't take it seriously, right? Or at least they don't because. Right. It's just a silly girl game fantasy or whatever you want. But to call you it. should because it's in a way it's just as bad well, as the Imperial. Look what first. happened. We got Voldemort out of that. We got so... Voldemort out of that. Uh, Ron almost died from being yeah. poisoned. You know, not directly because of a love potion. No. But, but by the transitive property. Right. You know. So if you want to take something from this, kids, don't try to control people. Yes, basically. Please. Don't. <laughs> so that's in in my opinion that's. The reason why that is considered an unforgivable curse. And I think everyone could agree with the unforgivable curses that they are bad. Right. But I think the the reasons for them being bad are important and shed light on other aspects of dark magic. Yeah. Um, The Cruciatus curse causing unimaginable pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a philosophical analogous item for that, but it you shouldn't cause people pain. Who would want to go through that? Right. You shouldn't. Yeah, do unto others almost. Yeah, the golden rule kind of thing. Right. And then obviously the Avada Kedavra, uh, the killing curse. The obvious counterpart to that is murder, mm-hmm. because it is murder. Yeah. Um, and that's why it's dark magic, is because it's used to end someone's life. And that's a huge thing in the uh, Harry Potter universe. Yeah. Death is one of the largest topics, um, and it's one of the aspects that magic can't do anything about you know yeah. there's always these shadows that you know we've talked about a little bit in the previous podcasts but like but you said it's a shadow it's, it's not, not the person themselves coming right back. you can't bring them back to life yeah. you know it's it's done it's over with so magic has its limits yes absolutely so obviously the three unforgivable curses and voldemort and and that sort of thing are direct examples of dark magic but all these indirect examples of dark magic, to me, really makes me question what the true nature of that is. Yeah. You know, we only ever see a few aspects of it. Another big one is the uh, potion that brings Voldemort back. He uses the flesh of a servant, um, which I think is actually more like slave. You know, like yeah. s- some, it's willingly given but under deep coercion. You yeah, know? because he was not willing. He yeah. was very petrified the entire yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And then blood of the enemy forcibly taken. That's, there's another Bones aspect. of the father. Right, which are also uh, taken out of turn. Like he had to defile a grave to, yeah. to make it. So and like, these are a lot of things that historically are stigmatized. You know? Very much. <laughs> so blood rituals and flesh rituals and... And that sort of thing. Grave robbing. Yeah. So. Even though that was a very well-practiced career in the past. To learn about anatomy and medical stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting. For the greater good. Yeah. Yet again. You you know. It's like, (laughs) oh man, did the ends justify the means? Part of me feels like we should move on. But another part of me feels like we haven't covered enough of this whole what is dark magic? You know, what are the dark arts? Because... I, I genuinely feel like, based on all the examples in the book, which maybe I'll just read a couple more, it it doesn't seem like she really outlines what they are. You know, it's a, a real fill-in-the-blank 
kind of thing. It's almost like if it upsets people, it gets classified as dark magic. Yeah, that's that's I would I would agree. So like when George gets his ear blown off, um, Mrs. Weasley heals it up a little bit, but she can't make it grow back. And she says, not when it's been removed by dark magic. But if your ear got removed from other means, like a bomb blast or someone just came with a knife and cut it off, you still couldn't regrow it, right? I think she could. Really? Yeah. That's the thing. That's why I want to know what the heck dark magic is. (laughs) So it seems like there's properties to it that are permanent. Like the whole killing curse is a permanent aspect. The sectum sempra, I, I believe that's the spell that that Snape used on George, probably. Yeah, wasn't to, it? To cut his ear. I don't think they ever actually say what it is. You just... Because we, we hear about the the ear coming off secondhand. Yeah. So. I thought one of them, when they came back from one of the safe houses to the Weasleys, I thought one of them said that they saw him, or heard him say Sect on Sempra. We'll have to look. Yeah, they do say Sect Ha-ha! on Sempra. I win! Right. I win! Uh, yeah. Well, and that's... Okay, this is kind of weird. He says he lost with his hood during the chase. Sectum Sempra was always a speciality of Snape's. So that would indicate to me that that's a spell he used quite often. Yeah. Which, so who else did he yeah, name? Right. That's sad. That is to think sad. about, you know, Snape being <sighs> But he was a jerk when he was a kid, you know. Yeah. And he redeemed himself. It's true. Um, but at least his spell didn't kill people right away. Yes. They still had a fighting chance to live. <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of goes in another example that they talk about dark magic. Uh, when Lily is talking to Severus Snape, um, she gets mad at him for hanging out with Avery and Mulciber. And she's like, what do you see in him? He's creepy. And then she just implies something. Like, she doesn't say what it was. She just says, do you know what he tried to do to Mary McDonald the other day? And then Snape writes it off. He says, that was nothing. It was a laugh. That's all. And she's like, it was dark magic. And it's like, well, what, what was, was it? it? Yeah, you know, like, what? what was... that's a pretty big claim. Yeah, that's a bold accusation. So if you're going to say, that's dark magic, but he's going to say, ah, it wasn't a big deal. It was just a prank. So, like, what, was what, what could be almost in the middle of the road of bad magic, you mm-hmm. know? And then she... Goes on later to say, Snape says, I'm just trying to show you, and he's talking about the quartet, if you will, that they're not as wonderful as everyone seems to think they are. And then she says, they don't use dark magic, though. So she, like, draws a line of distinction where it's like, look, you can be a prankster and use leather corpus and be a jerk, but to use dark magic, you're crossing a line. And she doesn't want anything to do with that. Which spurns Snape's advances, which pushes him toward helping Voldemort and, you know, sets this whole thing off, and which is why he's a super so sad. she's the cause of all of this. <sighs> it's all her fault. <laughs> um, but, so... What constitutes as dark magic, where the draw, or the line is drawn? Yeah, like, can you use non-dark spells for dark means? Yeah. You know? Like, at what point does... I mean, is Expelliarmus a dark spell you're depriving someone of their wand you know like that's uh second amendment people would be like hey wait a minute (laughs) i need my wand (laughs) so it's sad uh, because 
the um, goblins and the house elves, they don't, they don't get, get wands. wands. But they have magic that they don't share with wizards. That's not the point, Ron. <laughs> they don't talk about elves ever, except for house elves. But they yeah, talk I don't about know elf that... made wine. And is that uh, wine made by house elves? Or... Good question. Yeah. They don't actually talk about the traditional elves that we think of, mm-hmm. like in Lord of the Rings. Right. And they make wine too. Or even but... the little people, you know, or what have you. Yeah, like, like the Keebler. Right, exactly. Um, and they they do mention vampires mm-hmm. um, in book four. But either way, like they don't talk about vampires very much. Werewolves do get quite a bit of, of screen time. Yeah. Um, major one uh, that gets talked about in the books is Inferi, um, which are the animated corpses. Um, are animated corpses, I mm-hmm. should say. Oh, man. It would have been interesting if she would have done like some sort of Frankenstein monster. That would have been really sweet. I guess the Inferi kind of is almost like that. But yeah, not, but... It's just a dead body that's being animated. It's not given sentience or yeah. anything like that. So. And they just hang out in the pool until someone tries to steal their water. Right. Voldemort uses them in his army. Um, and it's quite the army. Yeah. The idea is that you're defiling um, a corpse, essentially, mm-hmm. for your own means. Survival. Yeah, and your own survival and that sort of thing. Which segues into drinking unicorn's blood. Yeah. You know, Hagrid talks about how slaying... A, a, a pure and innocent creature yeah. um, is, is an ultimate act of evil. And, and then uh, another example that isn't directly called dark magic, but I would think would be dark magic, is fiend fire. It can't be controlled, largely. Yeah. Or they, they kind of say that maybe he's just bad at controlling it, but Hermione also says that she wouldn't have used it because she didn't think that she'd have a handle on and it. And if Hermione couldn't be comfortable with it, right. then it's got to be very complex magic um so yeah those are those are kind of the biggest examples of of dark magic that she gives in the book rather than implies are the dark arts really that bad now hear us out folks (laughs) (laughs) um certain spells potions are determined bad or evil while others aren't apologies potion or no. The love potion. The love potion, yes. Where Sorry. they're like, oh, it's just a careless, you know, silly thing. Mm-hmm. But it can really do some damage here. Right. Uh, but another one that I would like to bring up is Verticerum, or however you pronounce that. I'm so terrible at these. I just go pronouncing. based on whatever Jim Dale says. See, and and sometimes he's wrong. I don't listen to the audiobook, so I never so hear it's... it. So I'm like, do do do. But Verticerum. Verticerum. There we go. Because it's based on Veritas and Serum. Ah. Veritas is truth okay. in Latin. See, I should take Latin. Then I probably she know bastardizes to... Latin quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, but yeah, so yeah, is it really good to use that, or is it not? Because with the potion, you are forcing someone to reveal information against their will. Right. They have no control over it. And largely, we see it used by good wizards or wizards that consider themselves to be good right like umbridge yeah not actually good not not quite um, just kind of a jerk but but the world is not divided into good people and death eaters that that's very true got it in there (laughs) it's one of my favorite quotes Um, so that that builds into are the dark arts really that bad you know like are aspects of the dark arts 
given a bad rap. And are there double standards with the dark arts? I totally think there are. Yeah. You know, and Veritaserum is a really good example of that. In America, we have the Fifth Amendment where yeah. you're not allowed to self-incriminate on the stand. Mm-hmm. Or you, you, you don't have to. Um, you're, you're protected from doing so. Right. Whereas Veritaserum... You have no jury, you have no trial, you have no judge, you have no defending lawyer. Yeah. You're just forced to give example. And yeah. Dumbledore uses it on Crouch, um, Jr. on Crouch Jr. And no questions asked. But he gets really upset when the soul's taken from him. Mm-hmm. But not because he died. He says now he can't give testimony. Right. And it's like, whoa, there's some of that... <laughs> the greater good Dumbledore sneaking out a little bit, you yeah. know. There is, and but Harry never jumps on that and thinks of him as being a bad guy. You no. know, it wasn't until he uh, reads Rita Skeeter's version of the the telling of Dumbledore where he starts to think that he's he's done some bad stuff. But that's a total double standard. Totally, and also with the potion, while it's not torture forcing you to reveal the information a lot of people would probably be comfortable with it because it's more humane right it's not putting that person in pain but they're still getting all the information that they want yeah so it's yeah it's it's just another aspect of of controlling someone right which is one of the bases for dark magic well the imperial or imperial curse Imperious. <laughs> I am okay. not doing well tonight. It's all right. <laughs> uh, once again, disclaimer, folks: we're uh, we're not self-proclaimed Harry Potter experts. We're no. just major fans. Yeah, so, we like to geek out. Yeah. So you, <laughs> well, you might mispronounce something every once in a while. Um, another example of potions being used for evil: the Polyjuice Potion. Mm-hmm. We have Harry, Ron, and Hermione using it to try and sneak into the Slytherin house and get information from Draco about mm-hmm. the whole Heir of Slytherin thing. Um, we have Malfoy forcing Crabe and Goyle to dress up as different students while he's in the Room of Requirement. Mm-hmm. And we have when... Barney Crouch. Yeah, well, obviously, using yeah. Using it to impersonate someone. Moody. For an entire year. For a whole year. And then we have um, the Order making six decoys of Harry. Right. And boom, no one really cares about that. Even though it can totally be damaging for if you use it for evil purposes. Right. And that makes me want to bring up one of the quotes about dark magic that I pulled out. In book three, uh, Hermione is cautioning Harry about the use of the time turner. And she's like, hey, I know all the time turner rules and you don't, so Mm -hmm. listen to me. Um, And he wants to um, just jump in and get Peter Pettigrew out. And Hermione's like, no, dummy, we can't do that. (laughs) We're already in there, or we are in there. We are in there. And she says, Harry, what do you think you'd do if you saw yourself bursting into Hagrid's house, said Hermione. And he replies, I think I'd gone mad. Or I think there was some dark magic going on. And it's like, you've already had experience with Polyjuice Potion. Yeah. Why would you immediately jump to dark magic when seeing a copy of yourself? Wouldn't you maybe assume that somebody drank some Polyjuice Potion of you? Yeah. And so if an indication of a duplicate 
is considered to be a grounds for dark magic, then isn't Polyjuice Potion... I mean, couldn't that be considered dark magic? So they're creating a duplicate. Yeah, and for whatever reason. But taking on identity theft yeah. is a huge thing oh, yeah. in our country. Well, in the whole world, I'm sure. Uh, where to steal someone's identity to do whatever mm-hmm. is considered to be just heinous, you know? Well, and it can be really easy for someone to get what is needed to impersonate the other person. You just pluck some hair off of the shoulder of their shirt or something and oh i was wearing this sweater when we went to the malfoys and it has a long black hair on it how convenient Uh, i'm gonna be bellatrix now (laughs) you know there again double standard using something that is kind of evil for good reasons you know even though she is stealing from bellatrix right which normally stealing is bad Right. Not to get in a moral quandary, <laughs> since we're talking strictly magic here. But, yeah. I mean, there. That's that's where I think dark magic stems from is the idea of is this is the intention of this evil, and but then what constitutes as evil? Right. Exactly. So we got. But then we get to into answer, ph- yeah. to philosophic or philosophical debates and. Right. What ways would dark arts actually do good? And benefit people. That's a good question. Well, I mean, we kind of already have covered it where in book seven, when they kill Voldemort, it's still murder. Yeah. But it's like, okay, I'm preventing, you know, maybe countless more murders. There's a a story that I really like um, that the Dalai Lama told. It's a Buddhist story about merchants. There were 500 of them. And one of them had a plan to kill the other 499. But one of the merchants found out that he was going to do that, and he kills this guy. And so it's like, you know, he's committed a murder, and then he comes to find that his karma has been offset by the fact that he prevented 499 murders. And it's like, you're using evil in the name of good. I mean, it's the Dalai Lama says it's okay. <laughs> then <laughs> it's we're, probably we're fine. fine you know? <laughs> and that's that's another thing too is like, are people born evil or do they grow to become evil? If you're put in Slytherin House, you're almost guided into being evil. Well, you're assumed that you're going to be evil. Yeah, like people... from the other houses themselves. And it really bugged me <clears throat> in Book Seven that. McGonagall just writes off every Slytherin and says, you can all leave. Yeah. Like, you're done. Yeah. Like, she doesn't think at least one Yeah, would would there be, yeah, one Slytherin that is simply an opportunist, a a cunning person, someone that maybe uses not necessarily the best means for things, but is still a a good person, you know? And there she judges and assumes they're all going to be on Voldemort's side. Listen to us getting defensive. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true, you know? Like, I I consider myself to be a little bit of an opportunist, and I like to take advantage of, of things that go my way. But does that make me evil, you know? I wouldn't say so. Right. Unless it like killing people down the street, but I gotta go. <laughs> no. Um <clears throat> so I think there's a lot of double standards, mostly on the side of evil not being that evil and not yeah. so much on evil being used for good. Yeah. Um, well and one of the things that I've and this is probably more fitting for a different podcast, but I remember when the movies were just starting to come out 
and now there's all this new merchandise Mm-hmm. And you've got your Gryffindor and Slytherin, and so many people were buying Slytherin stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Rowling saying in an interview that she was really disturbed about that. She's like, you oh. guys, you should be supporting Gryffindor because Slytherin is evil. And JK, my heart. I know. <laughs> and I, I remember that ever since then. And, well, you know, you're... You're not helping. No, <laughs> you're really judging all of your Slytherins there. Yeah, too. you know, because... I mean, if you really, wow, that makes me even angrier about that whole book seven thing, (laughs) you know, like, cause that's the thing is she specifically talks about, okay, not she, but in the book, they talk about laying down your arms and, and being with your enemy and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's time for Slytherin house to decide where its loyalties lie. Well, and you mentioned earlier in the podcast, Sirius's quote about the world isn't split into good people and death eaters. It's, yeah, exactly. You know, and he's a person that is, I mean, largely very good. You know, he does some pranks and stuff like that, but like he's a noble person and he's in Gryffindor. Yeah. You know, uh, those qualities are obviously there. Well, and people that are... I can't are... even think now. Like, people... I never heard that quote before. Sorry. Yeah, you're like, my heart is broken. I'm sorry. I've had to do with that since, I don't know when that was published. Whenever the second movie I'm going to tweet at her. And yeah. Again and again. <laughs> Be like, you listen here. Yeah. But also, those in Slytherin, uh, sure, they might do some bad things, but right. that doesn't mean that they can't do good things. Right, exactly. Double standards. JK, you're the biggest Very narrow-minded right yeah. there. Yeah. I'm going to write a strongly worded letter. Hear us complain. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's a good time to segue into our next topic. Stigmas? Yes. The stigma against the dark arts. Dun-dun-dun. Well, we know a lot of reactions characters have regarding dark arts i mean you've read a lot of examples yeah um, in the podcast yeah. so far and then in mm. the second book when harry turns out in nocturne alley by mm-hmm. accident hagrid's all like oh i don't know harry people yeah. seeing you in nocturne alley that's, like, not, that's not very good. good so even then he's concerned about how people are viewing and perceiving harry but then it's like Hey, Hagrid, what are you doing in Nocturne He was Alley? getting flesh-eating slug repellent. Yes, but why is that in Nocturne Alley? Right! Yeah. I was like, wouldn't well, that be something you could find in Diagon Alley? Which is one of the... I think that's like a cleverly placed plot point to help you maybe think it was Hagrid. You know, if like if you're, first, if you're <laughs> yeah. first reading the book and you're like, oh, wow, it was Hagrid, you know? Yeah. And it's like, this is crazy, I would have never guessed. And it's like, well, look, he was in Nocturne Alley. It's true. You know. Sketchy, sketchy. But why why does Nocturne Alley even exist? Uh, yeah, if they're so intolerant of dark magic and stuff like that, or evil, bad, negative things. Right, like the Hand of Glory being in uh, Borgen and Burks, where it's like, this is the, the bread and butter of thieves, you mm-hmm. know? And so you're selling, it's like selling lockpicks almost. Yeah. Like, selling lockpicks is legal. But it can be beneficial when you're locked out of your car or yeah, house. that's true. I don't know what the Hand of Glory would do to help you. <laughs> that well, would be if, if all the lights come out and you don't have your wand, you got your Hand of Glory now. There you go. Now we're pushing it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a that's a big example. And then Snape is probably the best example yeah. of, of the stigma where it's like... Well, there's just so much content. Very, around. yeah, just a ton of content. Even, I mean, just the debate among... Like, the order 
is he good or is he not? Mm. Can we trust him? Though Dumbledore trusts him, but can we trust Dumbledore's judgment of him? And right. All that stuff. And if you're Dumbledore's man through and through, then you should have accepted the idea of Snape killing him. So Harry lied. He was not Dumbledore's man through and through. Fail. Epic. Epic fail. Some Gryffindor. <laughs> uh, Talk about loyalty. Yeah. None whatsoever. Nope. So uh, Snape is a huge example and we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier with the Slytherin house he's like don't put me in Slytherin I don't want to be in Slytherin Hagrid says there's there isn't a dark wizard that didn't come from Slytherin house and it's like all right you could almost move that into the muggle world where you know everybody's getting real excited about radical Islamic terrorists and they're saying like oh we need to ban all Muslim people from entering the country because some of them might be bad just because there's a propensity there, you know, in Slytherin House to turn out dark wizards. Yeah. Doesn't mean like it's almost like a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Where like you're telling a kid he's going to be evil, like Draco. Like yeah. if he would have had different upbringing, like he didn't want to kill Dumbledore and he. And he, he couldn't, even yeah. with his upbringing. Right. He still had some good innocence. Some in reservations. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And then when, like, they bring Harry there, and he's like, is this Harry Potter? And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, he probably knew. Like, Oh, he knew. You know. But he still couldn't, even though he hated Harry, he couldn't see him being handed off just like that. And right. Poof, Listen to us defending a fellow Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like your example there. Uh, Slughorn's reaction to Harry being um yeah prejudiced when, against Slytherins. when dumbledore and harry go visit slughorn to try and bring him back as a teacher and he confesses slughorn confesses that i was in Slytherin or whatever and harry's like oh disgusted yeah and he's like hold on now now this is a good example of someone being an opportunist where he's like hey i'm gonna curate these people and I'm going to help them rise to glory, and then they're going to scratch my back. Yeah. Is that evil? He, I, I wouldn't say that's evil. Right. He's an opportunist. Yeah. You know, and he's he's hedonistic, which is considered to be non-virtuous. Yeah. But just because you're lacking in virtue doesn't mean... I, I don't think good and evil are a spectrum, you know? No. Like, I think there are acts that are definitively evil. Yeah. But even then, you know, like we talked about, where it's like, oh, murder in the name of good... Like, Does huh. that constitute? But we won't get on that. No. But the stigma against the dark arts and the stigma against people that are associated with the dark arts, like, as soon as everybody finds out that Harry can speak Parseltongue, yeah. he's like a second-class citizen after that. Yeah, it's like, this is the boy who lived. It's like, oh, maybe he used dark magic to kill Voldemort yeah, and when he was a one-year-old. Yeah, and then classmates are hiding from him and... Are you serious right now? Like, this is this is a joke. Yeah, but, and it's funny because they all assume he has these dark, evil capabilities and he has, like, this hidden part of himself. Mm-hmm. But when Hermione does get petrified, all of a sudden they're like, well, we know you wouldn't do that to Hermione. Right. So you're actually not bad. You're but, not, you're not yeah. evil. And I was that's, like, wait, what? Wait, no? <laughs> that's, that's all it took, huh? Well, maybe I'm so evil that I did do it to Hermione <laughs> to throw you off my trail. <laughs> kind of relating this to the muggle world, um, Carrie's got a, a good example 
Yeah, I thought of tarot cards because there's a lot of negative responses to tarot. A lot of people assume it's, you know, like devil worship or Mm -hmm. very dangerous and harmful. Same thing with Wicca. Yep. Really, tarot started out the card game. It's the original Pokemon. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if you don't know much about tarot, there's 78 cards and they're split into two decks. One deck is called the Major Arcana, and that has your character cards that we know, like the Fool, the Hanged Man, etc. Then the second deck is the Minor Arcana, and there are four suits, the Wands, Swords, Cups, and Pentacles, slash Coins. Depends on the deck, sometimes they use Pentacles, sometimes they use Coins. And then there are Aces through Ten for each suit. But then they also have court cards, which are the page, knight, queen, and king. And they all have their different meanings and stuff like that, but... Does this sound familiar, folks? Yeah, I was going to say, card game, it was originally played kind of like a bridge or a rummy. And so the major arcana was like trump or trick cards. Mm -hmm. Then somehow people decided that, hey, with these cool pictures, we can use this to try and, you know, predict the future. I think it started out as a joke in the game, Mm -hmm. and then it just, people took it seriously. That's my thoughts. But that's how we know it today. But a lot of people from the research I've been going through, they... Yeah, we do research before we do this podcast, That's the Ravenclaw coming out of me. But anyway... um... You should see the episode guides that she writes. They're phenomenal. (laughs) I'd be lost without her. Dun-dun-dun. But yeah, so a lot of... Articles have been mentioning that the cards that we use today, the 52 cards, um, those derived from tarot. Mm -hmm. But they've simplified things and they took away all of the cool artwork. So tarot, bad. Playing card deck, okay. Yeah. You know, it's like... It's it's weird. That's a double standard, you know? Yeah. We could briefly touch on, before we finish, the idea of fortune telling being almost considered evil i i would say largely it's considered evil in western society yeah it's associated with as you said devil worship and that sort of thing but in the wizarding world uh you know there's a whole they kind of take it seriously some of them do not everybody i think jk doesn't really want you to know how she feels about the subject because she kind of gives you material both ways Mm -hmm. well Uh, even the centaurs do a form of fortune telling mm mm-hmm with we're, stars you know we're way too inferior to understand yeah but us lowly humans right anytime um like a lot of bad stuff is happening i like to say mars is bright tonight <laughs> yeah. you know like i know that's my inferior understanding <laughs> of of uh, astronomy or no astrology or astronomy is the study of stars astrology yes. is the relation of stars to fortune telling yeah. that sort of thing yep. so but i would assume that they do a little bit of both to make it maybe better i don't know they're probably just being angry at humans and stuff they're like the grandpa get off my lawn yeah they really are (laughs) um like calm down guys like everything's gonna be okay simmer (laughs) um i definitely feel like we covered a lot of our bases here where we want to know what dark magic is why it is dark magic and why there's such a stigma against it. Mm -hmm. And I think that adequately sums it up. And I think uh, this will be a fun third episode for you guys to listen to. Um, And I definitely want to hear 
your your commentary. Yeah. Especially from some non-Slytherins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, feel free to call us out on being wrong on something. Um, Though we're but do it in wrong. a nice way. Yeah, and we're never wrong, except for when we are. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could definitely dive into this further. Yeah. But I think that will take another episode because <laughs> I think it'll take a little bit too long. Yeah, to... I, I would agree. If there's one thing that I want you to take from this, it's that JK definitely could have given us a lot more in this area. Yeah. It's another one of those things where it's mentioned a lot, but it's not... I mean, we have an idea yeah. of where the boundaries are and what constitutes as dark arts and stuff like that, but we still don't have that definitive yeah. line. Like, or Or what... You know, dark spells are and, and how they work and why they're different from other kinds of magic. Yeah. Which, in the future, we hope to cover, you know, um, things like love magic and friendship magic. I think my I made up friendship, friendship magic. magic. Yeah, there you go. I love My Little Pony. <laughs> We're not doing a My Little Pony podcast, Aww, however. Sad. At least not today. Okay. Maybe someday. But right. um, that's, that's just huge. I think that she left a lot of things open-ended. And in a lot of ways, I think she did it so that you can decide. Um, I, I do like that part. My One of my favorite movies is Pulp Fiction, and most of the violence in that movie happens off screen. Yeah. And it's kind of to make you decide, you know, what it is. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a device that she's using here. Yeah. You know, like, ah, you figured it out. <laughs> you, know, you put two and two together. Well, and it's good that we're not given everything on a platter. Yeah, absolutely. Like here, and then just don't think, just accept it. Right, exactly. So, this has been the third episode of Spare a Bit of Parchment, and we hope you have enjoyed listening. Yeah. I'm Paul. I'm Carrie. Adios. And what is this? Snape had picked up the map. Harry tried with all his might to keep his face impassive. Spare a bit of parchment, he said with a shrug. Hey, are you a major Harry Potter fan? And did you enjoy listening to us geek out? Do you want to geek out with us sometime? Message us and let us know if you'd like to co-host a, a podcast with us. Or if you have ideas that you would like us to cover in the future. Yeah. Topics. Things that we're not um, covering yet that you want to hear more about. Or... We can push it up the queue. And don't forget to send us your comments.